0: Time now for Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN.
1: Away we go, and this is the Tuesday edition of Scoops with Danny Mac. My name is Dan McLaughlin. Welcome into the show, and great to have you with us. As always, the Air Comfort Service text line is open for you, 65780. Love getting the uh, mic shield drops as well, Rhino Mike shield as well. All right, we're going to visit with Dave Matter. We're going to find out about college football. Will we have it this fall? He covers Mizzou for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, and he'll be my guest later in the hour. Let's talk a little Cardinal baseball as we kick things off on the opening monologue, and Cardinals closer Jordan Hicks has opted out of the 2020 season, citing pre-existing health concerns. Really no surprise for me. Totally get it. Totally understand it. He's 23, identified as a high-risk player because he has type 1 diabetes, which is considered a pre-existing condition. Also recovering from Tommy John surgery that was performed last June. So they were going to ease him back into this thing anyway. Players who are deemed a high-risk and opt-out of the season receive full prorated pay and service time for 2020 that's big for hicks or really any player but especially hicks he will be arbitration eligible for the first time in 21 and he is the first player by the way with a pre-existing condition to opt out of the season so 12 players now around major league baseball have elected not to play and will not receive pay or service time but that will not be the case with jordan hicks good young man uh Wish him nothing but the best. Totally understand it. Totally get it, and totally understand any player that does opt out in any sport. It's a personal decision, but in this case, you really get it. So, what happens in the pen for the St. Louis Cardinals yesterday? Had my broadcast partner and co-host of the Fast Lane, Brad Thompson, on the show. This is what he had to say about those arms in the pen.
0: Well, I, I want to make sure that I have innings in the pen, which I know sounds sounds stupid because oh, you have you have bodies, you have innings, but I want to have multiple guys that can go multiple innings. I, I think. That that is really important. If I was building a bullpen right now, because not everybody stretched out the same. Look, Wayno is stretched way out. I know he threw seventy-five pitches in, in a, a sim game the other day. It looks like Kim is stretched out pretty well, and Carlos, who you and I had the conversation about last week, um, I don't know where he's going to fit yet, whether it be in the pen or in the rotation. But he was stretched out to ninety-five pitches in the Dominican Republic. Like it's nice to be able uh, to have that length, but not every team is going to have that. So for me. Guys like Daniel Ponce de Leon and Gomber and Hennessy Cabrera, if in fact he ends up being a part of the mix uh, because he just got uh, his second positive COVID test, so we'll see what happens with him. But those types of players, to me, are instrumental in what you're trying to do. And Johan Oviedo might end up being one of those guys that can lengthen you out in the bullpen a little bit. I want to be covered that way. I don't know what the specific number is, Dan. I don't know if it's 16 pitchers, 14 position players. Uh, I, I was trying to go through a list earlier today, and honestly, it was getting more and more difficult for me to come up with an entire pitching staff with all the question marks that the Cardinals have right now.
1: Well, I did some of those numbers for you, Bradley. And here's what I came up with it and it is going to be interesting. Remember, at the beginning of the season, you can have 30 guys on your roster, then it gets cut to 28, and then you finish up with what would have been 26 in a normal season. So as Brad mentioned, Gallegos, you don't know about him. Reyes, don't know about him. Cabrera has tested positive twice, and then you have the two negative tests. He comes back in. So let's just say, for argument's sake, you have 16 pitchers, and... I'm going to put Carlos Martinez in the bullpen. Now, I preface that by saying, in a normal season, undoubtedly, he would have been in the starting rotation. And I think coming out of spring training, he would have been in the starting rotation. But now, of concern for me, and the aforementioned Gallegos, Reyes, Cabrera would have been in my bullpen, but now I'm running out of arms. Hicks, he's done for the year. The other guys we don't know about so my five starters right now and I'm curious what you think about this Flaherty he's my opening day starter then in no particular order I've got Wainwright I've got Hudson I got Michaelis and I'm putting Kim in my rotation so relievers I've got Miller Gant Daniel Ponce de Leon Ryan Helsley now he's a guy that could close he's got closer stuff Austin Gomber, starter, reliever. You're going to have to have depth in that regard. And that is the same with Daniel Ponce de Leon. So, Carlos Martinez, he is a given in terms of knowing what he brings you at the back end of a bullpen. A wild card with this, too, Junior Fernandez. I would have given him a look, too, in spring training as a closer. Now, in the beginning of spring training, he kind of had that look. And then a little rocky in the middle. But he's the kind of guy that could do it as well then you have tyler webb a given as a left-hander coming out of the bullpen this is where it gets interesting to get to your 16 pitchers jake woodford 40-man roster he's been a starter it's it's time for him and now he's going to get his opportunity i would say cody whitley and i talked a lot about him i think he would have made his major league debut at some point this year now i think he gets that shot And Johan Oviedo. And for anybody that's been listening to 101 and hearing me talk in spring training about these guys, he's the guy I was talking about all the time. Big body, impressive stuff, and we may see him now in 2020. It's going to be fun to see these young kids pitch. Mention it on the crossover. Tune in tonight. If you want to see some Cardinal baseball, cardinal.com, cardinals.com. Tonight at 6 uh, the guys that are going to be throwing in a simulated game and it'll be five or six innings and you're going to see a lot of the, the the top players matched up but Austin Gomber Jack Flaherty scheduled to start and that's the lefty Austin Gomber Jack Flaherty. Flaherty talked about the upcoming season and getting better going into 2020.
2: You know it's a sprint to the finish line it's not a you know it's always been the seasons of marathon it's it, it's 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 long it's drawn out it's but it literally is like you know, hey, every game matters. You know, it's it's every you know the last every game we played since last August has been this way, and like it's just gonna kind of continue for us, and nothing about it changes. You know, every every game's gonna matter. Every game's gonna be just as important as the next one. You know, the jump in velocity, I, that's just getting bigger and stronger and growing up a little bit, I think, and and then refining some of the mechanical aspects as well. And it was something in the first half that we talked we talked about with Mad Dog. of, uh, He's like, look, you're having a lot of success with your fastball. Try to throw it more. And the more I executed, located it, and the confidence just continued to grow.
1: Yeah, we saw that last year's second half. And if you want to watch him tonight, Cardinals.com. And roughly around 6 o'clock. And again, when we come on the air, if you will, you know, it's not a normal game. It's an exhibition game. But... Again, it's baseball, and we're all dying to see some live sports. From the 314, Danny Mack, love this 10 o'clock hour. Of all the young players, which one of the position players that we may not have heard of are you excited to see? Good question. Um, I'll tell you what, you probably have heard about this guy, but I thought he had a great uh, spring training. Edmundo Sosa, he is a bench player and a slick, and I mean slick, fielder. But he went to winter ball, showed pop, and showed a lot of pop in spring training. Edmundo Sosa, uh, hold me to it, go ahead. But he's the kind of guy that I think uh, the Cardinals are excited about, and he started to hit for more power, started seeing gap power, uh, occasional home run, but, man, he can absolutely field. So that would be one of the players that, especially in these inter-squad games, exhibition games, if you will, um, it's kind of like spring training, you're going to get a lot of at-bats, that would be one that I would be excited to see. Hey, Rivs and BK yesterday had one uh, one of my favorite players. I had an extended interview with Matt Holliday a couple of weeks ago that we played, and we talked about Matt going into potentially the Cardinals Hall of Fame. He's not officially retired. Uh, what he's up to these days, but one of the things that uh, Rivs and BK got into with Matt Holliday, who's still in touch with a lot of the current players, is, uh, is Matt Carpenter. Those two are still in Touch just about every week, if not daily, and talking about the kind of season that Carpenter could have, whether it be at third base or designated hitter.
3: I think he'll have a good season, and I think, like I said, I think him getting some DH spots and and having that extra roster spot, uh, you know, to 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 get Tommy Edmond in there and to get, you know, maybe if you um, you know want defense, you can play him at third and Carp can DH and, and some of that stuff. So I think he's gonna have a really good season. I from talking to him, I know he's excited that he. Made some mental adjustments and and maybe a little bit of a physical adjustment at the plate and kind of getting back to his roots, of hitting the ball the other way. I think I think that that's
4: uh, I think that that's something that you'll see and, and uh, I'm
3: excited I'm excited to watch him. I uh, I'm talking to him. He seems happier and and to be enjoying uh, the game a little bit more. I know last year was rough.
1: Yeah, I agree. I talked to Matt Carpenter probably five six weeks ago. He said, man, I I miss the game. And when it's taken away from you, you realize how much you miss it. And I would go back to what I saw on the field in spring training to Matt Holliday's point, taking the ball the other way. And we'll see once the games get here. But I did think he was in a good spot physically, too. Conscious effort to take the ball the other way. Gap to gap hitter, which is when he was at his best. My guess would be he gets the first crack at designated hitter because you got to get Edmund in the lineup. Got to. And Edmond, his versatility, shortstop, second base. And I do think, to an extent, a little bit of the outfield gives the Cardinals flexibility in that position. So we'll see as this season goes along. Hey, the Blues began training camp yesterday. Centene Community Ice Center. Players no longer limited to small group workouts and practices. It's phase two. All 30 skaters. That includes goalies on the ice at the same time. Coaches similar to a regular training camp if you will the gm doug armstrong
3: well i i think at the start you you tried to say okay how are you going to get this done and then you know when i went to hub cities you had a little more comfort level then quite honestly jim they had talked about four hub cities i think going to two uh made it sound like every step they've taken you you start your belief grows a little bit obviously what's happening in the united states right now with uh uh, the number of tests being positive you had a little bit of a scare maybe 10 days ago two weeks ago that were they going to be able to pull this off and I think when you look at the the precautions the NHL and NHLPA have taken uh, I feel really comfortable that if we can get through these uh, couple of weeks and get up there uh, there are going to be some setbacks some roadblocks things are going to happen and you have to just be able to roll with it but you know as as the guys got here and Uh, as phase two got longer farther and farther into it. And and our guys kept having negative and negative tests. It made us feel really good that we're in a good spot.
1: Yeah. And and Doug hits it, uh, hits the nail right on the head. You know, 10 days ago, you don't know. And 10 days from now, you don't know. It's fluid. And that's just the way it is in all sports. So the players, the coaches, staff uh, with access to the team, they're tested before training camp begins every other day during this camp. Daily uh, temperature checks, also administered before players coaches or staff can enter the facility that's how it works Uh, the teams will leave for their hub city on july 26 that is right around the corner so about what week and a half something like that maximum of 52 people go which includes players coaches doctors team staff oh and also by the way a guy named vladimir tarasenko
3: yeah, well, Vladi was participating in uh, phase two here, and I've been able to get a glimpse of him, of him through that time frame, and his shot is still dynamic. Uh, he seems to, I was saying to one of the coaches today, he seems to score at will. Uh, that's something that uh, you, you sort of take for granted when you're watching him every day, and then you realize how special it is when you don't get to see him for four months, and or four or five months, actually, so or longer. So it's uh, it was great to see him out there. He looks fantastic. Uh, uh, I know he's still knocking off some of the rust, and I think having the exhibition game and then the three uh, preliminary games is going to benefit someone like Vladi who hasn't played in a long time
1: man could you imagine vladimir tarasenko back rested healthy top line awesome games officially resume and of course no fans in attend uh, in attendance with the stanley cup qualifiers that begins on august 1st
3: uh i i wish i could tell you you know how it's gonna I- the motivation part i don't think is going to be an issue uh, I think they're motivated to win for all the right reasons. Uh, uh, they, they owe it to the guy they sit beside and, and they owe it to our fan base to put on the best effort. It's going to be different. Uh, it's one thing, Jimmy, like when you're without fans in at the Centene Centre where you're all congested, the the, the noise ver- reverberates off the walls and, you, and it feels it feels almost like a game situation and, and to an extent. I think when you get into uh, these, these massive NHL arenas, and the noise dissipates as it, as it travels it's going to be it's going to be uh, something new that that we haven't uh, experienced uh, again and i'm also interested to see what the nhl is going to do as far as television angles as far as piping in potential music or noise how they're going to do that that's uh, out of my pay grade but i think they're going to try and do things that make it more a different environment than we've had in the past. Yeah, I think. Be.
1: Yeah, all sports are going to try to figure that out, and if we get this done, Doug Armstrong was asked if they award a Stanley Cup. Will these playoffs be harder than any other year?
3: Uh, it's going to be hard to tell. I, I wish I could say one way or the other. I think that you're going to you're going to be able to carry positive momentum. I think longer in something like this uh, than, than maybe you could have in the past. Uh, but with that being said, when we get up there, you know. Injuries are going to play a big factor and and not, not the long-term injuries, just the nagging, you know, a groin or a back or something that that can keep you out a day or two. Uh, When it's a day or two in in September, October, you, you go with the benefit of the doubt, but when certainly for the teams of playing the best three out of five, uh, you, you can't, uh, you can't take any days off. And it's going to be interesting to see how, how the health uh, of the bodies uh, is taken care of when we get up there. I know, Everyone wants the players to be at their best, but it's just the reality is they haven't skated in a long time. And it's going to be, teams are going to have setbacks as we go through.
1: College football, no decisions yet regarding SEC. That was yesterday during an in-person meeting of conference officials at the SEC office in Birmingham, Alabama. But Commissioner Greg Sankey reiter, uh, reiterated that the critical decisions will be made later this month. And here's Sankey on trying to get football back this fall.
4: We have to see a change in public health trend to build the comfort that we'll have an opportunity to compete this fall. And plenty of people can say, oh, you shouldn't. It's not going to happen. Make predictions. And I go back to Governor Cuomo in June who said, I'm done with predictions. I'm done with models. We're going to look at the facts. And that's what we've been doing diligently for months now and we will do over the next few weeks. The fact that we've seen increasing cases over the last few weeks across our region is not a positive indicator. There has to be more intent more focus uh, on heeding the guidance that's been provided on distancing on gathering on face masks breathing masks on 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 hand sanitization it'll be important to watch what happens over the next two or three weeks those aren't overly hopeful comments and i want to be clear about that they're realistic but the reminder of how we have to watch what's happening um in the health arena around us
1: well we'll talk more about that dave matter the post dispatch covers missouri football athletics He'll be my guest. Air Comfort Service text line. Anything on the table for you, get to that later in the show. Rhino Shield mic drop as well. This is 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Privileged to have the chance to visit with Dave Matter from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, who covers college athletics, in particular Missouri football, basketball, baseball also has dipped his toe into being a columnist for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and has had some thought-provoking, uh, really thought-provoking uh, columns at the Post-Dispatch and joins me on 101 ESPN. Dave, always great to catch up. How are you?
5: Doing well, Dan. Thanks for having me.
1: You bet. Um, let's start with this. Uh, just on a professional note, what was it like doing a little uh, columnist work at the Post-Dispatch? How did you enjoy that? And by the way, your work was great.
5: Oh, thank you. No, I, I really enjoyed it. You know, I just get the opportunity with, you know, one of our colleagues is, uh, it, it, Benjamin Hockman has been, been off for a little bit. He, he, his wife had a baby a couple of weeks ago and, uh, it, I just embraced the opportunity to, to, you know, do something a little bit different, flex a few different muscles in the, uh, in in writing and uh, i'm actually going to do another one this week i think on thursday so it's it's been a lot of fun it's been something i've always wanted to do and uh, and just fortunate to get the opportunity
1: well whatever you do just just stick to what's going on in the field don't don't go into the media stuff and start ripping all these people okay just just go on the, the stuff on the field on the ice all right not no field or ice right now is there dan so you <laughs> I don't really have a choice. I understand um, college football. I, I find it fascinating what's happening right now in Birmingham, Alabama. We, we've heard from the commissioner of the SEC. Um, what are you taking away from some of the comments that uh, that he's made here in the last week or so?
5: Well, you know, I, I want to give him credit for kind of finally saying what people probably wanted everyone, the leaders of, in college sports and these college conferences, to maybe saying a few months ago and i don't fault greg sankey at all but these are the things that i think they believed you know back in may and even june that that you know we're running out of time here if we want to salvage this season and it it might be too little too late i mean i it's going to be this phrase is going to be thrown out there a lot it's hardly you know clever or unique but it's kind of we're kind of the stage now where you got to throw a hail mary and it's not really counting on the schools or the teams or the coaches to do anything. It's kind of up to the nation that we need to get these numbers down. We need these trends to start going in a new direction, a more promising direction, if we want to have college sports this fall. We're already seeing you know leagues at the lower level, the Patriot League, the Ivy League, cancel their fall seasons. We've seen the Big Ten and the Pac-12 move to only conference uh, games for all their sports this fall The SEC is not prepared to do that yet and they don't feel like they have to make that decision you know on July uh, 11 12 13th They're, they want to put that off as late as they can but we're really running out of time I mean back in March we all thought okay we, we've got plenty of time it's only March then in April and May I said oh it's only April or May you know we can decide on these things in July or even August well here we are and uh, <laughs> we're running up against the start of the season
1: and in- yeah, and in terms of Mizzou, um, have you heard from Eli Drinkwitz? Have you heard from Jim Sturk And, and what are they saying in, in terms of how they're handling this day by day?
5: Well, I think Mizzou has a pretty good plan. You know, they've had positive cases just like most schools have. I think at last count they've had nine positive cases with athletes of COVID, and that's since June. So a, a, a bulk of those kids have had enough time to recover. Um, but they're, I think they have a, a good plan in place. You know, they're testing everybody before they take part in any workouts. Um, you know, if if you leave, and I, I find this pretty interesting, if you leave Columbia for more than 12 to 24 hours, you know, you have to do five days of self-isolation before you can resume any kind of workouts. Uh, it's it's so different from the pros because these kids, you know, as we know, they're, they're not paid salaries. They're not under contracts per se. Um, but you still want to try to, you know, salvage a season best as possible, and educate them, and have them have some accountability. and And all of the cases that Missouri has had, um, they have contract. What they've done with their contract contact tracing has found that th- they caught the virus outside of the team facility. So that's that's really promising. Well, I don't know if that's going to help them save the season because really it's going to be up to everybody else around the country too. But I, I think they've had a solid plan all along, and 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 I think Eli Drinkwitz is smart enough of a guy and a coach he's been preaching wearing the mask since March and April. So, um, you know, other coaches around the country are are kind of doing the same thing. Maybe it's a little too little too late, but I think they've been, you know, right on top of this as much as you can be, uh, you know, from the start.
1: Dave, is it realistic um, to say that you could have these athletes, these student athletes, all of a sudden be uh, going to classes and, mingling with the student body and then going to play sports and say well you're, you're just not going to have a bunch of cases i mean how does that happen when these kids come back in the fall and all of a sudden you have quote unquote a normal fall let's say school um i, yeah. I, I don't understand how that possibly could not you know all of a sudden have a spike in cases if you're following yeah. what i'm trying to say here
5: yeah, that's the fear. And and really, if you look at Boone County's case numbers right now, and really for the last couple of weeks, the numbers are going up because that age demographic between, I think it's 19 to 24, that's where the numbers are really going up. And that's, you know, that's the college age students. Uh, so yeah, that has to be the fear. We, we know those, those college students aren't necessarily going to be monitored and tested all the time, like these college athletes are. And that's who they're going to be exposed to, not just in the classroom, but if they you know, go out on the town, they go out to dinner, they go out to a bar. That has to be the real fear. So uh, I think the university is going to shift, and I don't want to put any percentage because I don't know if it's decided yet, but they're going to shift a portion of their classes they already have to online. They feel like, and this is what schools everywhere are going to do, they feel like they have to have some on-campus classes to justify having sports in the fall, uh, at, at least in the major conferences and in the Division One conferences. Um, but yeah, that has to be the absolute fear, and that's a little bit of the unknown. I mean, so, there are students back in town right now. You just drive around, you can see them. Um, they're out, not you know, not in huge bunches at, at bars and restaurants because a lot of those places aren't open right now. Um, and the mask ordinance did go into effect in Columbia last Friday, uh, and and I've seen you know the few times I've been anywhere, you, you see people wearing their masks and, and being smart about it. But yeah, when when all those students come back, assuming that they will. That's got to be the big fear for for Jim sterrk Eli Drinkwitz, and everybody else, Conzo Martin over there at
1: Mizzou. Can they put the student athletes in their own dormitories to try to keep them away from the rest of the the student body or is that is that just no no chance of being able to do that?
5: yeah, I mean, a lot of them live in apartments, especially the older guys uh, and the the older the older athletes, men and women what what they've tried to do and they've done this at other schools too is keep them in these clusters to where they're traveling and working out and living with the same group so that they're not mingling with a bunch of other athletes or a bunch of other teammates uh, and, and try to do that best as possible, just to limit ex- exposure. Uh, and, you know, it, that's easier said than done, especially in talking about a football team with 120 plus players. It's one thing for your basketball team. If you've got, you know, including walk ons 15 guys, uh, even a baseball team with 30 to 40, but football, you can't have a team, without having a hundred plus players on your team. And you're going to, they're going to be exposed uh, to some degree. So, you know, they've made their athletes sign these pledges and these are kind of controversial around the country because it's uncertain how much, you know, legal legality there really is in these, but I think at least it puts them when they see the writing there and they sign their name, even if they're not bound to it, like a contract, they do at least see this in writing and they put it in their minds that, Hey, this is really important. And, um, you know, you, you need to take this seriously.
1: Dave Matter from the post Dispatches. Uh, my guest here on 101 ESPN. Do you know, Dave, and this may be a tough question to answer, if they don't play football in the fall in the SEC, do you know the the financial fallout, uh, you know, just a general number, what that might be for the conference?
5: Well, it's, it's huge. And, you know, there. I don't have a specific number right there. Um, But for each individual school, it it would be, you know, tremendous. I mean, you're talking about a sport that depending on the school football revenue with with uh, ticket sales, with parking, T-shirt sales, popcorn sales, beer sales. Now, I mean, you're you're talking about, you know, 50 to 60 to 70 percent of their annual revenue, you know, comes from that stream. Um, So you're talking about a major hit. Uh, You'll be unable to function as you have for years financially without that stream for even just one season. Now, you know, the, one of the, the models that the SEC has discussed is moving a season to the spring. I shouldn't say really discussed because Jim Sirk said last week, it's an option that they have on their list, but it's not something they've discussed. And I don't, I think it would be the kind of last resort of last resorts. And and what I've heard from around the industry is uh, the TV networks would likely try to renegotiate their deals if football was moved to the spring, because for whatever reason, you may know this more than me, that those um, those Saturdays in the spring are not as valuable as inventory as Saturdays in the fall where college football has always been played, you know, for, for decades. Uh, And so that would throw a wrench into plans of, of just making the sport less valuable as far as those finances go in the spring. But I guess any, TV revenue would be better than none. Sure. Um, so, I, But I don't think that's something that, that they really want to discuss right now.
1: And then I've also seen some reports that basketball would move up. A- have you seen that or heard stuff about that, too?
5: Yeah, that is an option has been discussed. You know, Dan Gavitt, who kind of runs basketball for the NCAA, talked to the SEC uh, in one of their Zoom meetings, I think last week even, brought it up. And, and the idea is more to do with – creating a a longer schedule. So you have room and flexibility in case there's, um, you know, the numbers continue to rise and you have to reschedule games. Okay. So you can break things up a little bit. It's, it's not so much because the virus will be, you know, better in say October or September than it would be in November. It's more to just give some, some schedule flexibility. So again, that's another thing that from what Jim Stirk indicated last week, it's not really high on their priority list. They really want to take care of football and the fall sports first and then kind of get to basketball. Basketball is interesting because you're talking about, you know, smaller rosters, obviously smaller crowds in in the arenas, uh, but it is indoors. So you, you know, that presents another issue that you wouldn't have at outdoor stadiums. So man, it's just another thing that these ADs and coaches and presidents and chancellors have to figure out.
1: Yeah. You know, you mentioned the legality of of signing those waivers. I I just wonder if there was ever a time for, These athletes to unionize. If, if, I mean, if this is ever it, this is it to get paid and unionize. Have you heard any more about that kind of stuff? If anybody has gotten to the top players and said, guys, if you want to do it, gather your friends. This is the time to do it. I I wonder if that's ever been just, you know, that subject has been broached anymore or if, because look, these are the players. Clearly they're making billions of dollars for uh, universities. I mean, the time to do it is now.
5: You know, it's been kicked around before. I don't think any, never with real urgency with a topic like this. It's more come up with with health issues, you know, maybe concussions, things like that. And I believe at, at Northwestern a few years ago, some right. players yeah. tried to launch a union and it never really got off the ground. There are, you can just sit and Google, you know, college athlete unions, and there's a number of organizations that have tried to start these things. It just hasn't gotten a lot of traction. And, you know, maybe it would require um, you know, with Justin Fields from Ohio state or Trevor Lawrence from Clemson to really jump on board, um, you know, maybe get some help from, you know, the, the agency industry, the guys that are going to be representing these athletes, you know, eventually in the NFL, uh, to, to really get the ball rolling there. Obviously, if you're the the schools, you know, in the NCAA, you, you, then you get into the whole issue of, are they really amateurs if they're, if they're unionizing, are they actually employees? And that's something that you know we know the schools and the NCAA always wants to avoid. But um, I, I do think you're right. I think if there's ever a time for it, it would be now. I don't know if there's enough time to get it done, time for a season, because you, you, then you'll involve lawyers. And we know what happens then. I mean, it just takes forever to get something going. But, but absolutely, I see the, a real need for it. And, um, you know, I I think the athletes that would really get it, the ones who know they're going to have a long, lucrative career in this and so much is at stake, uh, they should they should want that, too.
1: I'll wrap it up with this. Every time I uh, pick up an article that you've written, um, it's something positive on the recruiting front of Eli Drinkwitz. I mean, this guy, holy smokes, Dave. I mean, he is he's tearing it up right now, isn't he?
5: He's really doing a good job. I give him a lot of credit. They have, I think, 18 commitments for 2021 right now. There's only five power five schools in the country that have more. And you know, two of them are in their division, Florida and Tennessee. But he, he's doing a really good job. They've done a great job in the St. Louis area without coaching a single game yet he yeah. he has a vision and he's he's got something that he's selling and it, it's it's really really working and resonating they're being aggressive um they're, they're getting kids early from all around the country too it's not just in st louis they're getting kids from florida and texas getting they got a junior college guy yesterday from california um so yeah i give him all the credit he, he he's doing something right i think he's got a A good message, and I also think he's got a mix of guys who are familiar with Mizzou from the staff, Brick Haley, Ryan Walters, but also has some fresh voices. And sometimes you need something to sell, but also also you need some salesmen on your staff and and some fresh energy, and he's got that with, with himself and then some of the people he's put on this staff, so I give him a lot of credit.
1: Hey, Dave, really appreciate your time. Every time I call you, you say when and where. I appreciate that. That's a common phrase, by the way, when and where. Um, so thanks so much for doing this. Uh, love your work, and uh, let's catch up again very soon. Stay safe and healthy to you and your family. And uh, again, thanks for doing this. You too, Dan, anytime. You got it. That's Dave Matter from the St. Louis Post Dispatch. We'll get to some uh, text line messages and a Rhino Shield mic drop as well. This is 101 ESPN
6: more of what you want to hear scoops with danny mack in podcast form on 101 espn
1: air comfort service text line danny mack you're on cardinals.com tonight will i see yadi uh yeah you're gonna see him by the way happy birthday to yadier molina turned 38 yesterday by the way only two catchers in the history of the game have at least a 280 batting average, 150 home runs, and a defensive war of 25. One's in the Hall of Fame, and that is Yadier, or rather, Ivan Rodriguez. The other, I think, is headed to the Hall of Fame, and that would be uh, Yadier Molina. The other's is Pudge Rodriguez, who's in. Uh, 314, Danny Mack, do you think uh, Dylan Carlson is long-term center field or a corner outfielder? My guess, corner outfielder and right field, big arm. So I would project him as a corner outfielder, right fielder, not this year, um, but yeah, I project him as a corner long term in his career. And um, but the thing is, he's got flexibility; he can play all three outfield spots. So that's where I would go with that. We go to a Rhino Shield mic drop, and this is Terry.
3: Unless the Rockies' demands changed from before, they're asked back in the spring was for four major league players that would make them immediate World Series contenders. Nobody's going to give them that, but I don't see the Rockies moving off that demand. It's going to take a hell of a lot more than just three mid-level prospects.
1: Uh, Here we go. Nolan Arenado. Here we go. Here we go. (laughs) Which, I do love that we're talking about trades. I'm fine with it. It's okay. Um... What I do, though, find fascinating is that uh, what teams are open for business as we get this thing going? Let's just play argument, you know, for argument's sake. Let's have a little fun with this. Um, And we will have a trade deadline in baseball. What teams are open for business? And I do think that's a fascinating aspect of this because the pandemic hit and all teams are not only going to be suffering this year, but it's it's beyond. Um, We don't know what uh, we've got uh, next year for fans in the stands, let's hope. God willing, we've got uh, people doing the wave. Jamie Rivers is ready to come in for the crossover, and and he was just doing the wave. Made me think of the wave next year, and people are in the stands, but you don't know about the, uh, the outlook business-wise for sports next year and uh, what teams will be open for business, in particular, a team like the Cubs. And if you fall out of contention this year with a bunch of free agents coming up, like the Cubs, do you trade them off? I think that part is fascinating, really fascinating. Uh, Final one here, Air Comfort Service text line. Danny Mack, how about Ryan Helsley closer? Absolutely. I think it's on the table, Um, and especially if Martinez is in the rotation. Ryan Helsley might be at the top of the list uh, for that closer's position, and he might be as well in general, might be a, a closer by committee. But if you've got five starters, which I think is where the Cardinals are going with this, And the five would be, in my mind, if Martinez is in the back end, Flaherty, Wainwright, Hudson, Michaelis, Kim, then Carlos is your closer. But if he can't close every day, you got to have other guys. Ryan Helsley has got closer stuff. He's going to have to improve on the breaking ball, but he's got good stuff. We'll cross it over with Ribs and BK next.
6: More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN.
1: Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, 1054 here in St. Louis. And we have Rivs and BK coming up. They'll take you till 2 o'clock, and then it's the fast lane on 101 ESPN. BK, always good to visit with you. You are telling me you were listening to Dave Matter, and yeah. we were just talking off the air. Every time I, I read Dave Matter, who I think does a great job covering the, the the Tigers, I mean, Eli Drinkowitz is bringing in prospect after prospect. He's never coached a game at Mizzou, and they're getting players.
2: It's incredible. Um, anybody that you listen to that is around this program will tell you he's the best salesman they've had in that job in 20 plus years. I mean, wow. say what you will about Gary Pinkle. And Gary Pinkle was an unbelievable football coach. He was not a particularly good salesman. He, he was not a guy that was going to uh, go out in a public me- uh, square and sell his program to the fans. That's just not what he was going to do. And it's the same thing for Barry Odom. He was a guy that was a football guy through and through. Drink what's will sell you. He'll come on your show, getting he'll come on our show, and he'll talk about how great his program's going to be. And he's doing that on the recruiting trail right now. So it's a lot of fun to see.
1: So, Jamie, uh, we had actual hockey. Uh, Doug Armstrong talking hockey. We got players reporting across the country.
6: Um, we're getting there, man. We're, we're getting, getting there. closer. I'm uh, optimistic. Uh, obviously, I think the next couple weeks are huge yep. as far as the progress of where we're going to be when it comes time to go to the Hub cities. Hopefully the teams are taking the right measures, the players are respecting the protocols, and that we get them to the hub cities and then ultimately get them to the finish line.
1: I'm positive. I was listening to the station all day, and the thing I I take away from it, we're talking about what's going to happen on the ice, on the field. We're not seeing a huge spike in terms of positive tests across the board. Would you guys agree with that? In sports is what I mean. Yeah, we're hearing some, yeah. but you
6: know, we're yeah, we're I think finding highlighted that, though because it is sports, right? So we're yeah, hearing, exactly definitely hearing more about it because it's professional athletes. Look but, at the
2: rates. Don't look at the numbers. Look at the rates, right? right? And if you're looking across the country right now in the hot spots, the rates are around. 10%. I'm just talking about sports. Uh, no, I know, but yeah. I'm I'm comparing it to the sports. If you look at the sports, though it's 1% or less of these tests are coming back positive. And so what what I said all along is the safest place for these guys right now is at these arenas, is practicing with their teams because of the protocols that are in place. And I think what we've seen from these positive test results so far, the lack of positive test results, is that that's coming true. And we're seeing that and what that looks like with the numbers that we're seeing.
1: I also think that because now here we are, okay, it's time that not to say that these guys didn't take it seriously I would never say that I think we all are hopefully taking it seriously but time is of the essence so you you go to practice you go home I mean you you take care of business if you, if you want to go play you want to make this happen you don't want to be the guy that takes it into the yeah. the locker room the clubhouse or whatever
6: you, you know you take care of business one of the best things and the worst things all in the same breath that could happen and it has happened to these players is seeing other players. That's my point. Get the virus. And now they know that, okay, this can happen. And that's been our warning shot. Let's get to the rink. Let's get to the field. Let's go home. Let's be super careful. Nothing is worth compromising your own health and the success of the team and individuals.
1: Yeah, agreed. Uh, loved your show yesterday. Loved the visit with Matt Holiday. Uh, who do you guys have coming up this We've afternoon? We've
2: got a couple of baseball nerds coming on with us today, and I say that in the most affectionate Thanks way a possible. Lot. Yeah. Mike Petriello and Eno Saris will both join us Great. today. We've got Jeremy Rutherford at noon, and the Blues GM, Doug Armstrong, will be joining us coming up at 1245.
1: Looking forward to it. Rivs and BK coming up next on 101 ESPN.
2: You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals,
0: Scoops with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN.